Welcome to the Get to Vet podcast, where we bridge the knowledge gaps in the military transition process so you can focus on what's ahead. Hey there, Get to Vet, Trevor Maxwell here with you today, and as always, right by, right beside me, just down the road. Back again for round two, Mike Riggs. Yep. And we've got Jose Nicola back with us again for part two of this uh, part two of this eight part mini series on military transition uh, after school special. Right. So Jose, thanks for joining us again today. Yeah. Thanks for having me again. Appreciate it. It's awesome. Yeah. And I know this, this particular, you know, a lot of the stuff we'll talk about VA claims. I know that's all you, uh, you, you definitely got that, but this one I'm excited for it. Cause it's right up my wheelhouse. Yeah. So I'll try not to use too many. Well, I don't care. I'll use cuss words when I talk about some of the stuff I don't agree with that gets put out there. But right. uh, yeah, we're going to talk about financial planning today. And I know you kind of had like a, a kind of a flow you wanted to cover. So I'll let you you take it. And then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll chime in if I can offer a, a perspective on that. Yeah, yeah. I'll definitely start it off. I don't know if, uh, you know, I don't know if I'll do it as good a justice as you will, but but yes, looking at the second part of transition planning, you know, I think it's a very, it's probably one of the most, you know, up there with one of the most important things that you need to do pre, pre, pre-separation, pre-retirement. And that's understanding your finances prior to leaving the military. Um, and then what that may look like after you leave the military. And I think a lot of people overlook it. I think we just get so comfortable uh within within our financial skin that we think oh we got this you know i don't i don't need a nest egg i don't need to save i got it i'm just going to go right into work um but you don't take into account some of the things that some of the shortfalls that could happen and and to name a few of those i would say is that you know uh, everyone says you know typically in the financial industry if i'm not mistaken you, you need to have at least three months of finances saved three months of salary saved right something like that um, and so I kind of use that as a go-by. I'm not saying that that's a set stone, but I try to tell my uh, transitioning service members, hey, you know, try to save at least three months. If you can do that, great. And this is why I tell them that. It's because when you transition, uh, at the end, you know, when you're, when you're the day after you are released from active duty, there's no more military pay coming in. Right. So you're not going to get a check every two weeks. It's going to take time because what happens is you're going from a, an active duty DFAS account, which has to be audited, right, and converted to your DFAS retirement account if you're being retired or it just gets closed out if you're just separating. So what happens is a lot of people, a lot of service members think, oh, I'm going to get my I'm going to sell my leave back. I'm going to get some money back. I'm going to get that extra, extra kicker and my last paycheck. And then they audit to find the DFAS audits your account and they take all your money. And then you end up getting 20 bucks instead of maybe potentially $3,000. And you were kind of relying on that, you know, Oh, I was relying on that three grand so I can pay my first month's rent in my apartment, et cetera, et cetera. So it's important to have that money saved up if you can to do that. Because of that reason, your final DFAS audit, which either may uh, underpay you or overpay you, 
And if you get overpaid, that doesn't mean go go spending the money right away because, you know, as the Navy and the military does, they send you these overpayments and then they made a mistake and they're quick to take it back. Right. So you got to look out for that. You know, you're also you're also planning because you know that you're not getting the buy the biweekly paycheck from the Navy anymore or the military in general anymore. And it's going to take at least, I say, 30 to 60 days for the VA disability check to start kicking in, depending. And that, once again, is all driven by what we talked about in the first part, your DD-214. So having that financial plan, having that financial cushion uh, will help get you through that first three months of being transitioned out of the military. Uh, so that's how, what I emphasize on, uh, on top of other things when you get out, right? And this, uh, and, and, and Trevor, you, you post this all the time on your LinkedIn, knowing the nuances of survivor benefit plan, converting SGLI to VGLI, converting FSGLI from your spouse, right? If she has an FSGLI, you have 120 days post-military to convert that over. You know, so you have, you know, your blended retirement system, all that stuff. Are you going to roll it over? Are you going to keep it? What, you know, so these are all considerations, which, you know, I'm not an expert on. And that's where I lead, That's where, where you come in and you can, and I've sent you, I've referred a couple of my guys to you and hopefully they, you know, they've, um, you know, they've, they've, you have advised, you know, obviously I know you're going to advise them in the right way and hopefully they've taken your advice and really planned it and really built, but, that's where I. That's where I'm going to leave it to you. As far as post-military, I tell them save three months, and once you get out, find a good financial planner that you trust. Um, that's not your uncle, you know. Yeah. Maybe your uncle. Maybe your uncle is a phenomenal financial planner, but however, find someone you trust. So, uh, and that's that's what I. That's where I'll leave it up to you to t- kind of discuss the nuances of each thing. Yeah, I can, I can definitely offer some perspective on that. The three months worth of savings, I would take that a step further and say, you know, aim for six because my own personal experience, when I retired, uh, the first, you know, the first month came and went, I didn't see anything for my pension. I didn't expect to get anything for my VA disability because I'd missed the deadline for the, uh, the benefits delivery at discharge. Um, but first month went by, I didn't have my pension. I was like, okay, no big deal. I'm, I'm planning for that. Um, the second month went by and I still didn't have it. Then I started to get a little concerned because I was also selling back my leave. I had 59 and a half days of leave and everybody's like, Oh, you should take that. It's your leave. I'm like, screw you, dude. Like my commands just, we, we have an agreement. I'm just coming into work whenever I really need to. I'm not taking leave for that. <laughs> so I sold back, you know, 59 and a half days of leave. That was a nice chunk of change for me. Um, but, you know, the second month came and went and I still didn't have my pension. So I called DFAS and I was like, hey, what's going on? I have my DD-214. And they said, well, that doesn't matter. We're waiting. The Navy pay office has to send us your paperwork that says you're retired uh, before we can start processing your, your pension. And I was like, okay, um, let me, um, let me call the Navy pay office. And I called the Navy pay office and they said, well, yeah, we don't have your paperwork yet. When did you retire? And I'm like, uh, April 30th. It was like, you know, July by now. And they're like, Oh, you may want to call PSD Norfolk. So I called them. What had happened is literally, you know, I think I said that before the day I retired, 
um, they were moving PSD Little Creek to Norfolk, right? <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'm sure nothing's going to go wrong here. Well, eventually two weeks of phone calls every day. Like I literally called twice a day, every day. And, and finally they called me and they said, Hey, Mr. Maxwell, we found your paperwork. And I'm like, Oh, really? Where was it? And they're like, well, it was in a box under another box under somebody's desk from the move over here. And I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, so yeah. Right. Uh, eventually I got the, you know, I got, got they fixed it they got paid i started i got paid i got back pay and everything but still like i'm living off of my savings and i'm like you know it's starting to go away you know i had you know rental income and stuff too but that you know that that only does so much um so yeah that was a little stressful because like my new job i was working in um you know i was i was doing this for a living and and everything was basically commission-based so you know, that, that was tough. And then a few months after that, I think about five months later, I finally got my VA disability rating. I got my back pay for that and all. And yeah, that was, that was a huge relief, but yeah, I, I can relate. Uh, You said something very important there, Trevor, is, is, you know, uh, the, the paperwork that PSD needs to submit to DFAS. And, and that paperwork is, to be specific, is the DD form 2656, right? That we all fill out when we separate from the military. And it's the data for payment of retired personnel is the title of that form. So that's the form where you go through and you say active, final pay, high three, redux, blended retirement system, it goes through all that process, right? And on it is SBP. That's where you either leave it blank or you check it. And if you don't elect to do SBP, then you have to have your wife sign it and all that. So that form, if that form does not get submitted, which in your case did not get submitted in time, that will delay your pay. Absolutely. And I mean, perfect example, because that's, so for any, you know, obviously for the listeners, Make sure that your your DD twenty six fifty six is filled out and turned in, and you know who who you gave it to, so that way you can touch that person and say, "Hey, what's going on?" And yeah. keep a copy of it. You know, burn a copy of it uh, once you, if possible. I don't think I, I don't I don't have a copy of this. I I, I I took pictures of it with my phone, yeah. but I had the email addresses and all that stuff. And so, you know, that whole thing, right? It doesn't go from PSD to DFAS. It goes from PSD to the Navy pay office to DFAS. So they told me, well, we're going to send it to the Navy pay office. Once they get it, they have 120 days to get it to DFAS. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you know, and and then, uh, you know, once DFAS gets it, then they have, I think it's like 90 days to process it once they get the paperwork. Yeah. That may have changed, but that was, I remember them telling me that. And I'm like, are you telling me it could literally be like seven months possibly before? And they're like, well, you'll get back pay. And I'm like, okay, that's great. Guess what? I still have to pay bills and, and yeah. things like that. You know, the mortgage company doesn't just say, hey, just, you know, we know you're good for it. Right. right. Um 
So with that too, what you were talking about there, that 2656, that is a very important form to make sure that you get filled out properly, especially if the other big decision, and this is one of the two big things that I do like on a daily basis working. I probably talk to, you know, four anywhere from as, as few as four to as many as 10 people a day about this, the survivor benefit plan. And one of the things that really makes me mad about this when they talk about the survivor benefit plan is they say, well, if it's not a good deal, why do 80% of people uh, keep it? And I'm like, hold on a second there, <laughs> pump the brakes. I don't think 80% of people keep it. I just think there's you know, a significant number of people that don't know that you have to opt out of it if you don't want it. Right. So, you know, it's kind of like you're playing some um, words with friends there. And uh, yeah, so you're right. Right. Make sure if if you first of all, I'll tell you, if you don't have something else already there from an estate planning perspective, um, you know, to make sure bills get paid and stuff, if, if something happens, um, you know, don't write it off right away. Right. Maybe it's a short-term fix. Like you, you have the option between months 25 and 36 after you retire to opt out of survivor benefit plan. If you say, Hey, I don't want this anymore, but if you don't have anything else in place, no life insurance or, or you can't self-insure, um, you know, depending on your circumstances, I might not recommend that you opt out of it. Um, but if you do want to opt out of it, if you have done, you know, the right amount of planning and done all that stuff, your spouse has to sign it in front of a notary, right? And it has to be submitted. Now, I have also encountered, and this happened to me too, where we opted out of it and they still started taking payments out, right? And I've had people reach out to me about this before on LinkedIn and they said, hey, you know, I, I told them I didn't want to do the survivor benefit plan, but they're still taking money out, right? Then you have to call, um, I want to say it's NAVPERS, um, 836 possibly I could be wrong on that I'm looking it up in my email right now um, but because I have the old emails from where I ran into this um, they they basically uh, you know there's a there's a person there that can uh, what's his name his name is hold on, I'm looking it up right now it's um, Rick Ryden was the guy that I talked to um, and he was with uh, PERS OOC, Navy Survivor Benefit Plan Program Manager. Um, so he and I had went back and forth and he sent me some paperwork. Basically, I had my wife re-sign it in front of a notary. We sent a letter to them um, and, and then they were able to redact that. Um, but And I've had some other people that have reached out to me too, that have had the same thing happen to them. They said, Hey, I didn't want it. They still took the payments out. How do I fix this? So it's not impossible to get out of it. If you, if you did want to opt out of it, I just, I, it just makes me mad. Like even Mike, like when Mike went through tap, uh, he did the online thing and, and I've talked to so many people. And if you're wondering, no, the guy who's giving the brief doesn't get a commission for you not opting out of SPP. Right. It's just, you know, that's the government solution and that's what they push in the official DOD seminars. That's why we're here. 
to talk about all the shit that's outside of that. Right. So, um, but yeah, I think a lot of people get overwhelmed. They're, they're just so overwhelmed with transitioning that it's an easy button and you just kind of like, it's kind of like craps. You just let it ride on that number instead of moving it to a different number. And you got all this other shit you're trying to figure out, like your resume. You may have an interview coming up. You're trying to figure out your finances. You got to move. You got a PCS coming up. You got all this other stuff coming around. And it's just like, well, hell, I just won't say no to this. This is a sure thing. And I'll just let it go. And I think that captures a lot of that 80% to keep it instead of doing the diligence and trying to find the better option that's out there. And I, 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 that, I can tell you that that's that's exactly how I looked at it, Mike. You know, when I when I retired from the Navy, I didn't have a financial planner to guide me or educate me, mentor me through this process. So, so to me, it was exactly that. Man, I don't have time to dig down in this. You know, I don't. I need to find a job. I need to get. You know, get. I need to continue. You know, I need to get the income coming in. Whatever, whatever. And so, to me, it was like, sure, got it. What do I need to do? Yep, sign. Okay, good. Let's go. You know, and, and I didn't think twice about it. Um, and now I'm definitely way over the time where I could probably opt out of it. You know, I retired in 2013, you know, and, and so you're right. You have, you have, you know, all these financial things that you have to worry about. And I think one of the things that we do really well at is, you know, we have people like Trevor who can, who can guide us through those kind of big picture financial goals that we want, retirement, IRAs, what do we do? You know, what's the best financial option for us? You know, uh, you know, now, now what do we have? We have NFTs and we have crypto and, you know, we have all these other things that, that are just bombarding us from all directions. And, and I think one of the things that's also missed is building a basic budget. And I think most of the people uh, are horrible at it um, because it's time consuming. It's a tough conversation to have with yourself and you don't want to do it. Yeah. You don't want to, you, you really don't want to know what your financial picture is. You're like, cool, I'm fine. Ignorance is bliss. Let me just move, you know, yeah. until it's not right. So right. one, one thing I will say with this, like, and I, I talk about this all the time with people that are clients of mine, when we're trying to, you know, the, the first step, step one is to get the good solid foundation. Make sure you've got all the, the things in place that you have a, a stable footing to build your house on. Right. Cause if you build your house in, quicksand it's just going to crumble and fall so looking at that right know what you're making know what you're spending uh i'll tell you what i like and i use um and and this is something i tell people all the time like hey there are 720 hours in a month don't be an asshole take one of those every month go through and look at your bank statements and get an idea of what you're spending and that's easier than ever in today's, because guess what? We have these apps that do that stuff. Like I actually use Mint Mobile. I go through and I look every month, <laughs> you know, the last Saturday of the month, I sit down and I look at my Mint Mobile and I tracks my stuff, right? It's great because it already categorizes stuff. So you can look at like, okay, you know, we, we tend to look at it as, as like the old thing was, the 50, 30, 20 rule. Have you ever heard of that? Mm -hmm. 50% on your fixed expenses, 30% on your variable expenses, like fixed expenses would be like mortgage, car payments, insurance, utilities, variable would be like going out to dinner. Maybe it's groceries, maybe groceries are a fixed expense for you. It, but you know, for us, it goes yeah. up and down. Dave um, Ramsey talks about that. Yeah. Please don't say his name in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I agree with him sometimes, but I think, 
I'm going to say something that'll probably piss a lot of people off, but I think like if, if you're not $50,000 in credit card debt and have daddy issues, then uh, Dave Ramsey's not the person for you, right? You can do better. Um, if that is you, then yeah, go talk to him. He's, he's the only one that, because nobody will ever love you until you do exactly what he says. Um, so in rant, <laughs> but no, I do agree with some of the things that he says, like, you know, people that are fucked up, like, Hey dude, you need to, to fix this base problem. And, and I had a great call with a guy yesterday. He's like, I did like him until I got to the part where he started talking about like your plan forward. Like once all your, you got your shit straight, he's like, he just seems kind of wacky. And I'm like, yeah, that's cause he is. Um, <laughs> but anyways, you know, I, I think it's dangerous that people look at somebody like him or Suze Orsman as a, as an advisor, because they're not they're, they're radio show talk show hosts with excellent marketing teams that have, you know, hone this message to appeal to people that have these certain pain points. And then they just drive home that message. Right. It's kind of like the Antifa kids, yeah. right. They just, they just don't stray from the line. They stay with it and they just beat it into you until, until you either conform or die. But uh, okay. So I won't rant about that anymore, but yes. Right. The, the 50, 30, 20, that's pretty common everywhere you go budgeting. Right. And so budgeting is one thing. Also keeping track of that stuff, get the, get something like mint mobile. It makes it super easy. No, we're not affiliates for them. That's just what I use. Right. I can speak to it because I use it and I like it. Um, and, and having an idea with that. And then, you know, the other big thing too, is trying to not make too many big lifestyle changes. Um, six months before, or six months after, or do it a year, two years. If you know, like, Hey, I'm retiring, try not to make any big unnecessarily lifestyle changes. Um, and wait until you've been out for six months to a year afterwards to do it. Cause guess what happens? Uh, Jose, you know, this Mike, you know, this, what is it like 80% of vets leave their first job after the military with within 18 months or something like that. Uh, you know, yep. Just like 86.2% of statistics are made up on the spot. Um, <laughs> it's, it's something like that, right? There's a significantly yeah. large number of vets that leave their first job within. That's what happened to me. You know, I worked at my first job for two years and then I got to where I felt like I plateaued and I needed a new challenge. And so, you know, I left. Um, but, you know, you have to be prepared for that. If you, it's a lot easier if you're not making huge lifestyle changes, especially when it comes to money decisions. Um, we'll talk about some other stuff too, that, that I think you can really help people with too, because, um, you know, we start talking about VA disability and stuff like that. Um, there's a lot of other, I made a post, well, is it Tuesday about that? talking about there's a significant monetary value attached to that VA disability. And one thing that makes me mad is when I hear those guys be like, Oh, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to do that. You know, That's right. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, every, the only person who thinks you're cool for saying that is you, right? Every other veteran out here is pulling their hair out hearing you say that because you don't know, you know, the true value of all that stuff. But anyway, you should record yourself. That's what they should do is record themselves and then play that shit back in about five years. 
Yeah. I'm thinking about how smart they are for doing that because I think the vast majority of the people that I know of that have thought about that have gone on to regret it later on. And then it's monumentally more difficult to track that back when you're five, 10 years retired than it is to just do it when you're active and, and walk that dog when you're, you know, especially when you're in a BDD window where you have all that, you know, all that fresh print on that freaking medical record and that mental health record and that dental record is just right there. And guys have, you know, been out for 10, 15 years. Oh, I didn't, I didn't claim anything. Well, you should have, even if you're, even if you've got zeros across the board, you got it in there now, because if you, even if later on it starts to hurt, even if it's a zero, it's a service connected disability at zero. And you can still go in later on and plus it up. So what if it gets plussed up to 40? What if it gets plussed up to 50? Well, hell, if it gets plussed up to 50, guess what you're getting? You're getting a check. And, and also check this out. You know, you have your primary conditions, like you're saying, Mike, and, and, and then those service-connected disabilities, you know, they also lead to secondary conditions, mm-hmm. you know? So uh, if, you, if you're not careful, and I know we're kind of, you know, strangling, but I think it's important to review that. You have to file your claim. Don't do it now because it impacts your financial goals for the future, right? Yep. And, and 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 you're right. It just hurts you. It hurts you. One of the things I want to talk about before we get off the financial stuff is, you know, let's extremely hypothetically, let's say you were a a guy that enlisted from West Virginia, and your home record for 30 years was maintained in West Virginia, and you didn't pay state taxes because you were not required to because you were a resident of West Virginia the entire time you were enlisted in the United States Navy. Well, you know, when you get out, guess what? You, if you aren't living in West Virginia or a state that you have to pay those taxes, your, your retirement is now taxable within, let's say, hypothetically, the, the Commonwealth of Virginia. So you're going to have to start budgeting for that if, if you're smart. Um, the other thing is, too, let's say extremely hypothetically, we'll just do easy math, Let's say you get that next job and you're making a hundred grand. There's a lot of stuff that comes out of that in the civilian world, a lot. Uh, so if you if you are making eighty three hundred and thirty three dollars and thirty three cents a month, and you contribute to your four hundred one k, you're probably going to bring home about fifty eight hundred a month. Fifty eight. That's a lot. You look at that delta. That's quite a bit that you're paying in um, Medicare that you're paying in federal taxes, that you're paying in state taxes, that you're doing your 401k with. So you better get smart on that because it's not the same as BAH, BAS. You're not getting jump, dive, demo, all that stuff, even though those are taxable. Don't get me wrong, but you're not getting those housing allowances and it's not getting, you're not getting that stuff on the free, um, on the tax-free side and you're, and you're not paying those state taxes when you're active duty, hypothetically, um, you, you got to start budgeting for that because the state of Virginia, they like their money and they're going to get it every month or they're going to get it at the end of the year. So be aware of that. And Oh, by the way, when you're not paying personal property tax on your vehicles, because you were exempt because you're active duty for your vehicles, they're going to come knocking too, unless you're hundred percent permanent total and you're going to get your one vehicle for the state of Virginia just passed. in I think 2021, it was enacted January, 2021. Nice. I get one and one only, yeah. but other than that, you're going to have to pay personal property tax on all your vehicles. So, and they love it too. You go down and buy a vehicle in Virginia, 
pay that sales tax like 4.12 or 16%. Then you drive it home and the city of Suffolk, they're going to send you another tax bill for another about four point something percent. And it's going to be paid right now, the 3,000, 4,000, whatever it is, write them a check and send it down there. No payment plans, no nothing. Pay me now. So just get used to that. There's no exemptions. Uh, just like jury duty, get ready to go do jury duty. Unless you get that hundred percent P and T and, and Jose, you talked about this too. The last time yeah. you came yeah. on the real estate tax exemption too. That's yeah. another huge one. I mean, that huge. literally saved me like $500 a month off of my <laughs> game know. changer. Oh my you know, I'll tell you here in the state of Illinois, let me tell you, you know, I'm not hundred percent total for my own personal disability. Right. But here in the state of Illinois, if you're a resident, there's, they have three tiers, you know, from a financial perspective, you've got 30, uh, 30, 50 and 70. So if you're 30%, you get $2,500 off your, your property tax bill in Illinois, if you own a home, if you 50%, you get $5,000 off your tax bill, 5,000. In some states, that's the whole tax bill, right? <laughs> Not in Illinois. 70%, you're fully tax exempt here in the state of Illinois. The taxes in the state of Illinois for a property tax are upwards. And I've seen this, it, it, it depends on county by county. Cook County, which is Chicago, is different than Lake County, which I'm located in. You're looking at anywhere from, let's say, you know, seven, eight grand to 15, 17 grand. I've seen 17,000 a year in property taxes. And, and if you're not planning for that financially, right. And you're not making that. So, you know, and if you're not filing your claim, all this plays into the financial aspect that we're talking about. So my mortgage right now, if I were paying my property taxes would probably be over two grand, but because I'm 70%, I'm over 70% and I submitted my tax exemption to the state of Illinois. Um, I'm exempt from that entire, four, I'm saving 14 grand a month. Now, if imagine if I was, you know, not in the, you know, you know, let's self, self, uh, you know, you know, self-realization, understanding myself more. And this is where humility and understanding yourself more comes in. If I could account for that financially, Trevor, what could I do with 14 grand a month in investments? I mean, a year. A year? Think about that. So, so you could you could max out uh, Roth IRAs for yourself and your wife. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so if, you had, if you sat down with a financial advisor and you were really smart about that stuff and say, hey, I'm not paying two grand. I'm saving $500 a month on, on property taxes because I'm exempt. What can I do, Trevor, with that 500? How, I'm going to give you 500 a month, man, invest that for me. Can you imagine what you would do? So- I, I'm 100% here in Virginia. You have to be 100% to be exempt for the uh, real estate tax. And I filed that. So what I did, and it's probably not, I'm sure, the, the smartest thing I could do with the money. But I took that delta that I saved on my property tax and said, you know what? I'm just going to keep that going towards the principal. And it pays off my mortgage in eight, year, eight years sooner. So I'm like, yeah. Eight years sooner, sure. Here's an extra five hundred bucks. This just paid off eight years sooner. Let it ride. Oh, I just use mine to buy uh, calendar tickets with, with yeah lottery tickets. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I leave I leave that stuff to you guys, the financial experts. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. 
I, I like motorcycles and I buy, yeah. I use my, I use my money to buy motorcycle parts. One, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, hey, dude, that's yeah. therapy. Here's the thing, dude. It's a hobby, right? It's, it's, yeah. you can't be one of those. Another reason I don't like old DR, he's like, I'll eat beans and rice and don't do anything for the rest of your life. And, you know, I'm like, screw that, dude. I, I want to live my life while I'm still able to enjoy it. So, anyways, one other big consideration with this that I really wanted to address. Aside from the income, which is tax-free, which is awesome. So if you if you really want to get an idea of like what that would be worth as far as taxable income, take whatever you're getting and divide it by you know 0.7 or 0.75, and that would give you about an approximate taxable equivalent. Um, the biggest thing though, this is one that I think applies to a lot of people, and it's one that really irks the shit out of me, is the education funding right because when we talk about financial planning education planning is one of the big six uh blocks that we plan around and you know just in virginia on average the cost of attendance for a year for a public university in virginia is about twenty five thousand dollars right now so if your kids are young guess what you know historically over the last 20 plus years the cost of education has outpaced inflation by almost 300 percent what does that mean? That means like, okay, if, if normal inflation was about two and a half percent, the cost of education has increased by a rate of about 7.5% every year. Right. And a lot of that's because like when the federal government started subsidizing student loans and stuff like that, all the, you know, you hear it all the time too, with universities, with veterans, right. They say, Oh yeah, that's a guaranteed paycheck for them. Right. They're, they're, they're basically a, a business now. And the product that they're selling is college degrees. They say, Hey, we can get all this money from the federal government for these veterans that are coming to school. Um, you know, so the, they bloat these administration departments, which makes the cost go up even higher. It's a vicious, never-ending cycle. But one thing I will say about this with the education thing, right? Look at what your state provides in terms of education funding assistance, because in Virginia, you know, if you get rated 90% permanent in total or higher, your kids can go to school in state for just about nothing. And there are some really good schools here in the state. So, you know, it's definitely something that you want to take advantage of if you can. And, yeah, I wanted to hit that, you know, before we before we ended the financial planning. We could I could I could make this a four yeah. hour episode if I wanted to, but <laughs> I know we all got stuff to do today. So no, there's a lot of good stuff within financial planning, and I agree. We could definitely you could you can do an eight part series on financial planning alone. Yeah. You know, uh, and everyone's financial picture is gonna be different. Everyone's goals is gonna be different. Uh, the main thing is like you said, you just find find what works best for you. Um, you know, get a good, honest look at, at what your, what your finances are going to be. And then here's a question I have for you. So, so, and I get asked this a lot, you know, so you have, you have, uh, someone who's served six years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever the case may be. And they've made, they've made, they've maxed out their, their, their MOS or their in-rate pay, right? So you've maxed out on what you can get in the military for that rank, for those years of service. And so is it, is it advisable to when you're seeking employment for your financial picture? So you, you're used to living at a certain quality of life. So let's say in the military, your quality of life was, you know, commensurate with a $60,000 salary, but now you're re retiring. 
So you're not going to get 60 grand anymore. You can make maybe let's say 20 grand in retirement. So now you have to make up a 40 grand deficit because that's your quality of life that you're used to living at. So how does that tie into finding employment and looking at your finances to, to maintain your quality of life that you had in the military? So you typically, so there's actually a really good calculator out there that talks about what the civilian equivalent would be of whatever your pay is. I'll have to find it and um, we'll, we'll bring that up. I'll share that on the, the page one day to, for people to get an idea about that. Right. Cause I think it's like, if you look at the fact that like me, I think my last year in the Navy as a senior chief um, at, you know, 20 years or whatever, however many years it was at, um, with my base pay, my BAH, my BAS, my jump pay, dive pay, demo pay, special duty pay, like, yeah, I, I made really good money, right? I'm, I'm pretty sure I broke six figures my last year in the Navy, right? Um, and a lot of it was all the special duty pays and stuff. But when you figure roughly a third, maybe a quarter to a third of my entire compensation wasn't taxable because my BAS and BAH, um, yeah, that's huge, man. I mean, you figure you add that in um, and, and that's, you know, now you're looking at um, you have to factor in a lot of other stuff too, like um, health insurance, right? There's monetary value attached to all that stuff. Um, you, you know, there's, it's just that the, the calculus changes, yeah. it gets a lot more complicated after you get out. Um, it's, it's not impossible. Like you, you get out and you work for six months and you get a better idea, but I would say you should, at least if you're getting out, look at, you know, do you have VA disability? Do you have retirement? Um, if you could take a look at whatever your base pay is for the entire year and, you know, it's different for everybody. Some people live more simply than others. Some people have five kids. Some people don't have any kids and they're single, like kind of look at whatever your base pay is for the year and say, this is my bottom line for my next career. Right. Um, you know, if you have the pension and and stuff like that, um, you know, I would tell people don't, don't chase dollar signs because, you know, I've talked to so many other people that are like, I took jobs where I made less money, but I was way happier. Um, you know, typically in the civilian world, if you're getting paid a lot of money for something, you're going to have to do a lot of work for it too. Um, and it's, it's a lot more dog eat dog out there than it is in the military. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> the, 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 the term intrusive leadership, if you say that out outside of the military, people are like, what are you talking about? Is this guy on drugs, <laughs> right? It's cool now. Cause you're a civilian, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what's kind of worked for me. You know, I'm only six months into it, so I'm a relative rookie into this. But, you know, and I was afforded a 30-year career. And, but, you know, the next thing that I got is just it's gravy. It's just bonus. You know, I, I do this because I want to do it. And I do it, you know, when it's not fun anymore, I'll stop. So, but I'll move on to something else, you know. But I think, you know, one of the things I want to talk about to kind of and my take on, you know, an answer to your question is I think it's commensurate to like their skill set and where they're at and in, in their experience level and where they want to go. 
you know, I think you still got to answer those questions of, you know, what's important, you know, what do you want to do, you know, and where do you want to do that at? You know, I used to ask sailors when they come in and ask me about, you know, orders, you know, I don't want to talk to you about orders. Okay. What mission set do you want to do? Especially the UD guys, they always come in, you know, Hey, I want to talk to you about orders. Okay. What do you want? What do you want to do? Well, I want to do NSW. Okay. Well, you don't go, you don't want to go overseas. Well, uh, you know, I, I kind of want to go to Mobile and eight. Well, you don't want to do NSW if you want to go to Mobile and eight dumbass because they don't do NSW. You know, you just have those conversations with them like, like that, you know, it's, and it's just like, you really haven't thought this shit through because we shouldn't even be having this conversation right now because that would have been thrown out the window if you really thought this through. But, you know, but part of the thing is, you know, like, for instance, like a, a, a 10 year infantry staff sergeant or sergeant first class shouldn't got, they gotta be a little bit realistic or, you know, even like a, an EOD guy. I mean, if, if you want to, there's, there's good money to be made doing EOD shit if that's what you want to do, but be prepared. You're not going to do humanitarian demining sitting in Hampton roads and, and being here 365. You better be prepared to pack up and, and be away from the family a lot. Um, and, you know, like Ukraine right now, I saw a job posting the other day. They're paying a thousand, two thousand dollars a day for EOD guys to go over there and do that. Not for me, buddy. Not for me. Not anymore. Um, you know, other things there's, there's like on the flip side of it, these cats that are doing cyber shit in the military right now guys that are e4s e5s getting out that are getting these certifications and cyber comp it and or comp ia and uh amazon web you know certifications and all that kind of shit those cats might as well just get out and make double and triple what they're making right now why they stay in the military god bless them because they got a service you know they, they want to serve good on them but they can kill it on the outside they can absolutely kill it because i tell you the folks i work for we can't find enough of those folks. Can't find enough of them. But I, I think it's just commensurate to the skill set and where they want to go and what they want to do. Basically, understanding your value, huh? mm-hmm. knowing yeah. what your value is. A lot of us in the military don't know what our value is. You ask that question. You know, what do you, what, what do you what do you, what's your value? Well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also I think all about what what is it that you value most. You know, money. it's not yeah, if it's life. money or time. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Like when we get done here, if I want, well, not right now because it's about to thunderstorm. But like, if it were sunny out, <laughs> I would probably we get off here and I'd ask Mike if, hey, you want to go down to the pier and go fishing? Or <laughs> right, I could do that. It's it's just uh, there's give and take with all that stuff. Right now, I'm in a business where I have to go out and and you know make my own money. I don't I don't get a steady paycheck. You know, I have months where I get a nice lump sum dumped into my bank account. And then I have like sometimes where maybe I only make a few, a few grand, four or five grand a month, um, which, you know, it's fine. I guess my big thing is I'm able to satisfy all of our, our basic needs and everything I do on top of that's gravy till I win that mega millions. <laughs> I, I had to, yeah. In which case, the production quality of this show is going to get way better, right? Uh, <laughs> That's part nine. That's part nine of this series. Yes. <laughs> so, right. cool. We, I know uh, we'll, we'll wrap up the the financial planning discussion. Uh, what are we talking about in the next episode? 
I think it goes, uh, what we're talking about in the next episode is, is planning for employment. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, looking forward to that because that's another one. Uh, you know, Mike's got some experience doing that and because he just went through it and I've been doing that, you know, as a coach with the Honor Foundation for a little bit too. So nice. Nice. cool. All right, looking man. Looking forward to it. Yep. Thanks. All right. Talk to you guys later. Talk to you guys later. Yeah. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Get to Vet podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and follow us on LinkedIn. If you'd like to come on the show, email us at Mike or Trevor at gettovet.net. That's get the number two vet.net. And let us help you get to vet.